Oh, do we got a good one today coming at you? This life ain't for everybody. Y'all know who we're brought by. My guest today might have a little bit of a problem with our title sponsor. Our title sponsor is from Lynchburg, Tennessee, the most iconic whiskey in the world. Jack Daniels, enjoy it responsibly, never allow underage drinking. Jack Daniels believes in everything we're about. Hunting, living off the land, fishing, gardens, crawfish, friends, camaraderie, family, Sunday mornings, Saturday nights. Thank you, Jack Daniels, for believing in our culture. One thing that Jack Daniels truly supports is music. And I said my artist today might not agree that it's the best because he is from the state of Kentucky, the bluegrass state, the, the state of the bourbon trail. How do you feel about that? Mr. Dylan Carmichael, welcome, my brother. Hey, hey, thanks for having me. Now, I... Jack Daniels is is good whiskey. I have to act like when I'm around my other Kentucky folks, I have to act like I don't like it, but I do. I do like it. It's good. I got to start off with something. You probably get it a lot, but I'm a I'm a big fan of 80s and 90s country music, and I'm oh, sure yeah. you are too, but you Absolutely. you grew up you grew up with some country music royalty, and I want you to educate the, myself and the audience on this. Um do you ever get tired of hearing Grundy County Auction? Do you ever uh, get compared to your uncle? Um, you grew up with John Michael Montgomery and Eddie Montgomery as your uncles. Both of them hit stardom in country music. John Michael with a solo career. Eddie Montgomery, half of, and rest in peace, Mr. Mr. Uh, Troy Gentry. But did it ever get old listening to those songs or did you just stand up and start dancing? Cause me and my daughter, she's 10 years old, Dylan Carmichael. Her name's Alyssa Riley and she can't get uh, enough of Grundy County auction and it's 2021. <laughs> well, it, it's good stuff. It's uh, but I think for me, it just brings back uh, memories of my childhood. So when I hear those songs, I, I definitely think uh, of, of only good things. So no, I don't get tired of it. There was a point in my life where I maybe got tired of being compared to somebody else, but, uh, but I, I've kind of accepted that at this point. So it's all good. No, I, I love my uncles. I, I'm a fan of both of their music. Uh, I have recorded Montgomery Gentry songs up to this point. I have not recorded John Michael songs yet. That is uh, on my list of things to do. Which one would it be? The one about, uh, what was the one about the classroom and, uh, uh what was uh, it? What was it about? The, you walk my no, that, girl. That was, yeah, I can't remember it, the name of the song. I'm gonna. Is I'm it gonna, the one about the little girl? Yeah. It's the oh one about man, I wouldn't a, make it through that one, buddy. Uh, I, I, I'd have to do like probably more down my alley would be beer and bones or something like Ooh, that. Beer and bones. That's a good one. <laughs> or yeah, County, I, County Auction. That's a good one too. When I hear you, I I, I talked when I talk to people about you. I, I always say, man, he's country as heck, man. Like, you know, in the South, they say country is a biscuit. Uh, <laughs> I think that it's awesome that you're hanging on to that because there, there are, there is, again, and I'm going to piss some people off by saying this, but there is some country right. still coming out of Music City, USA. Um, yeah. I think there's some great country artists. Your good friend, my good friend, John Party's one of them. Yeah. Um, but your album hits me because it reminds me a lot of like, like when you would hit, when you would hear, beer run you know some george jones yeah. beer run that that would hit home at uh, my high school days but it, i uh, but you also got another artist of mine it all reverts back to this man for me and i'm going to hit you with one right here he okay. wrote he wrote my favorite montgomery gentry song of all time it's called she couldn't change me and it's chris okay. knight from your great state of kentucky oh yeah yeah um, man 
Actually, Chris I didn't Knight, realize Chris Knight wrote that. I yeah, learned Chris, that new today. That's awesome. Chris Knight wrote, she couldn't change me. When I first heard that, it was 2001 or 2000. And when I heard her painting that ceiling blue and, and, and all of the stuff that he was going through with her, it was a, that's a great song. But like everything to me reverts back to Chris Knight songwriting. I love the way that he works. Are you a fan? He is another Kentucky boy. Do you like his stuff? Did you grow up on his stuff? And, and what do you think of Chris Knight? For sure. I'm, I, I actually, uh, you know, i I haven't had Chris Knight brought up to me. Chris Knight's great. And I actually got more into Chris Knight after I moved to Nashville and started getting in that songwriting community. That is a name that gets dropped a lot when people are talking about the greatest songwriters of our generation. And, uh, and I'm definitely a fan, definitely a fan. And when I hear, when I hear the way that you, compose a lot of your songs there there just seems to be that influence of of the story to me i love yeah. the i love the picture being painted because it's not far-fetched it's like wow i wish i would have said shit that way when i was trying to say stuff i <laughs> yeah. wish i like who comes up with this the, the 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 whole deal about there's a lot of ways to tell a chick you would rather do anything in the world they yeah. go out with her again and yeah. to drink a hot beer. You really don't hear that. Right. But a hot, there's <laughs> right. nothing worse in life than putting your hands around a hot beer. Oh, Did I you? know it's, I mean, it's definitely at the top of the list on the worst things, <laughs> <laughs> you so, know, the worst, the worst, the, the only bad, there's only one bad thing about me recording that song. And by the way, that's my current radio single that I just released. But, um, and John party produced the song, which is cool. But, uh, the only bad thing about recording that song is I've drank more hot beer, <laughs> you know, cause it's like, it's a challenge now, you know, it's like, uh, People even come up to me, they're like, I thought you like hot beer. I was like, have you listened to the song? Because it's not about liking it. <laughs> it's nowhere nearly remotely close to liking it. But, but yeah. I, I, I like I like the essence of the, the picture and the story. The story, and I think, absolutely. I, I think that's what country music is supposed to do is bring you back to a place and that's what Merle did. And that's, oh, yeah. that's what Jamie Johnson does for me. And that's, sure. and when I say that you're becoming one of my favorites, I was, I was texting with another mutual friend of ours yesterday, Ben Ratliff. And we yeah. both, oh, we yeah. both agreed that you're, you're like steadily becoming our favorite of, of the radio guys. And I said, ah, I told Ben, it. I said, dude, I love party. I could put parties playlist on and listen yeah. to John. Cause he's, he's, he's today's George Strait. Yep. He can, he can, he could take you, bring you to a tear. He can make you laugh. He can make you For dance. Sure. He can make you drink a whiskey that's and your song, songwriting. your songs, your songs are resonating with people. And that's, that's hard to do for me in country music radio today, because a lot of them are so far fetched and just cut off jeans on a tailgate with a bonfire and the two yep. counties coming together and there's going to be a fist fight. There's probably going to be a, you know, there's going to be something going on. And I'm not saying anything bad about it. Go get yours. I get it. But man, your songs are resonating to a big audience now, bro. Congratulations. Right. Hey, well, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely excited. Uh, I've been working hard for it for a while now. I started radio tour in, uh, I think the fall of 2017. No, that's not accurate. The fall of 2018. And so, uh, and what Radio Tour is, for those that are listening, it's uh, basically an, an artist sign. I mean, this is not, it doesn't always work out exactly like this, but artist signs a record deal, which obviously is a big moment in, in an artist's career. Uh, and then after the record deal, you go and you record music. 
And then you take that music and you go around and travel the country and go to radio stations one at a time. And you visit with the people that make the decisions at those at those radio stations. The end goal is to make friends with these people. Some you will, some maybe you won't uh, that connect with or whatever. But the ultimate goal is to just get some fans out there at Radio World. And uh, it's kind of the behind the scenes thing. Uh, a lot of people think that you put out a song and then it just gains popularity. And then all of a sudden they're like, they start playing it on the radio. Well, if you haven't done a radio tour, you're probably not going to get played on the radio. Uh, but so radio tour is a, a big investment of time. It, uh, I was, I was single when I started radio tour. Uh, if Shayla and I, my, my now fiance, if Shayla and I were together, when I started radio tour, I just don't know if we would have, I don't know if we would have made it. So God lined that up at the perfect time. But yeah, it's a, a lot of work, put a lot of work into it and uh, it's starting to pay off, which is really nice. I'm glad to see uh, that somebody like me can, can be a part of uh, country radio because there was a time when you couldn't be a big boy like me and have a record deal and have uh, a, a song on the radio uh, even not even that uh, when I moved to town, having a deep voice like I do was not a cool thing. It was uh, it was very different uh, then. And it wasn't that long ago. I mean, I lived here eight years, but it's changed a lot in eight years. <laughs> yeah, it really has. I, um, did you deal with you said a big boy, but you, you keep yourself together. Good. You dress the part. You got the hair. You got the beard. D- is aesthetics a big part of it? Is aesthetics. Did that did can that get you a meeting faster if you if yeah. you look a little different in Nashville the last eight years? Yeah, but the thing is, it's not about looking. It's not about looking good necessarily. It's about looking the part. Uh, whether you just naturally look the part, or if you spent years trying to figure out what your brand is, um, someone someone else's brand might be like haven't showered in in two weeks and that might be their their look you know that's not i don't think that's my look but uh, if maybe if i was a a country nirvana grunge country band maybe uh, maybe not showering for a couple weeks might be my look but i don't think it's about looking good i think it's about looking the part and uh, it yes to answer your question it does have a lot to do with i mean it's it's part it's a it's a big part of being an artist if you can have the music um, you can have the music, you can have the songwriting chops, but not have the look uh, or personality. You, you, you might have the personality, but not the songs and the look. You might have the look, you might not have the songs. And that's why they call it like the, what do they call it? The it factor or whatever. But, you know, it's, I am kind of still, I wish in a perfect world, it, it would be about the music. Uh, and, and it is in, in certain areas of country music now since uh, streamings came about you've got your you know your texas artists and then you've got your clique of people over here and stuff that can tour and be successful and and they don't have to fully rely on radio which is cool i always wanted to be a part of the radio world because my uncles were and uh i grew up listening to them on the radio and that was just uh it, it looked like out of reach for me, but I, but I took that as all right. This is a challenge. This is a challenge. I wanna I wanna try to uh, to to beat. And and I love a good challenge. So here we are. 
the, when you talk about that, some of the things that come to mind is that it, the radio game is not easy. There's been several artists that have said, screw it. I'm going to, and you mentioned that they build a cult following. They can make a living off of touring. You have guys that have never really had a lot of singles. Yep. Uh, go number one. I'm one of the biggest stadium sellers in the country right now. Another Kentucky boy, I believe, Chris Stapleton, hasn't yeah. had a huge amount of success at radio. Right. Um, his career starts with the steel drivers, and he's in Nashville. He comes commercial. He goes top 40 with what are you listening to? It gets to like 41 or something. And then Traveler comes out. He gets on TV with Timberlake, and boom, he's selling yeah. out. But he's never really had a lot of commercial radio success. What yeah. was the best advice, or what did John and Eddie say? say to you because that game can't be fun it takes money it takes yep. elbow grease and time commitment it takes kissing yep. ass when you might not want to kiss ass yeah what did they tell you like to be prepared for and some good advice that your uncles gave you yeah that's a that's a good question a lot of it pertained to uh signing contracts and stuff like that and and one of the biggest things they told me is well, man, when you get to Nashville and and you, and you start meeting people, you're going to have people throw contracts at you, and they they'll make it sound like this big, amazing deal and all this stuff. When really, it could be screwing you. So, get an attorney. That was, <laughs> and and I when I got to Nashville, I didn't realize in retrospect, I didn't realize like how many people battle with getting in bad deals because they just didn't know that you get an attorney. They couldn't maybe afford one. But, uh, you know, another thing was, well, if somebody really wants to get the deal going for you and you don't have any money, then part of the deal should be that they pay for, for the attorney to look over the deal, <laughs> whether you take, whether you sign it or not. So those little, little details like that are, uh, are it's, it's a big deal. I mean, I don't even want to get started on some of the the careers that and the talent that was just that either was delayed a few years or just never happened at all because of a bad deal. So I, I have to say, but back to what my uncles told me. I mean, they told me a lot of stuff. They they maybe didn't even realize the advice they were giving me just from being around each other and being in the crossfire of some of those conversations. And what is when you start talking about the Nashville part of it, you got Music Row, 16th and 17th Avenue. It's changed a lot. It's There's a lot of different ways to get record deals now. There's a lot of different ways to sell tickets and sell merch and, and, and make a living in this industry. In your personal thought process and ideologies, Dylan Carmichael, do you believe that country music should be on country radio or is it okay to have the current state of affairs when you turn on top 40 country music? Is it okay for it to be pop and R&B and all of this mixing in when country music is country music or are we more universal now? And that's just, that's just what it is now. And that, like I saw you, I, I posted the other day, you're on outlaw country. I don't want to have to go yeah. to outlaw country to hear Dylan Carmichael. He is yeah. freaking country music. So, yeah. and I'm not on a soapbox. I have been before about this subject, right. but That's what do you right. think about it? Is it? Should it be country music on country music radio? Uh, my answer to that is yes, it should be. I do think that the, one of the greatest times, because we want we, we do want to see country music succeed. Okay. I mean, we want to see a flourishing country music economy where you know we're 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 able to uh, be a part of 
because at the end of the day, getting the music out there to the masses, if that if that means having a band like Rascal Flats out there, then I'm cool with it. The problem I have is when it like in 2013 or 14, like we were talking about earlier, when there wasn't space for anything else, you had to have a six pack. You had to you had to have, be a certain vocal range. You had to write songs with certain words in them, and they had to be a certain beat, a certain tempo. And if it wasn't any of those things, it was not allowed on country radio. So I don't think it's healthy for country radio to flip it the other way either and be like, oh, it has to be a sad uh, waltz with, and it has to have pedal steel. And and by the way, those are my favorite things in the world. But I do think that it's like anything else about balance. And I think one of the best times I remember looking back, I don't know if you've done this, but you can get on Billboard and go back and look at the charts from passing years. And there was a time when Alan Jackson, Daddy Let Me Drive was number one. And then right below it was like Rascal Flatts, um, you know, uh, whatever I melt or, you know, some kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it's pop country. Um, but, and it was then they got, they got heck over that. Uh, but, uh, but I think that was a good time when you could, when you could have a, a little bit of both, you know, is Alan Jackson one of the greatest ever? We have to ask that since you mentioned him. <laughs> yeah, is he amazing he is a, or what? His, his albums still, I think it, his um, new one is amazing. Uh, oh yeah. It's I actually, uh, I actually was, I had the album sent to me a, a while ago and I, before it came Lucky. out and I was just wearing that sucker out. I love it. Yeah. Alan Jackson's great, man. You made a comment, Dylan Carmichael. I keep saying your full name cause it's a badass name. That's just a cool <laughs> name. Coming to the stage, Dylan Carm, put your hands together. Sexual chocolate. What movie, Dylan? Let me Sexual see. Sexual chocolate. <laughs> Come on. You got to know that Eddie Murphy movie, don't you? Oh yeah. <laughs> hey, um, you made a comment a second ago about some careers because of contracts and, and you yeah. know, the game that maybe never took off or never went to where they could have. I'm going to name a couple performers and songwriters that you may or may have not run with. And I want to know, are you a fan? Okay. Do you want, do you want to run with them? Do you want to write with them? Would you go on the road with some of these cats? Adam hood. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Huge fan. Brent Cobb. Um, who else? Brent Cobb. Again, he, uh, same. Huge fan. Big fan. I think the first song I fell in love with, Brent Cobb, is uh, South of Atlanta. Ooh. And you know what got me was that lyric, that gosh damn lyric I wish I wrote and thought of, that uh, waving with two fingers yep. with the hand on the wheel thing. Yep. I mean, that song, that is the that is the best songwriting right there he'll pump those your kinda, he'll pump your gas and clean lyrics. your window oh yeah exactly what else you got i just see i could see you and brant and adam writing a freaking killer killer those are two of my favorites like they're amazing i'm gonna say well, rob I'd snyder do you know rob snyder and you i'm writing i'm writing with rob snyder in a couple of weeks actually i'm writing with brant too oh good for you yeah good for it's you. funny your name i mean like seriously that's some of the people that 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 we're working on getting in with which is awesome. I'm so excited about it. To, to me, like, you know, running with some of these guys, and obviously I'm, I'm in Nashville quite a bit, but I'll, I don't live there like you do. But 
it seems like this gate opens up and like all these golden lights come out and Brent Cobb standing there in like a robe with his long hair. And like, people are like, holy shit, I get the right. Like I've had people on this show tell me they're intimidated and nervous to go into the room with the guy. And I can see yeah. why now, because the guy is so critical and he's yeah. so, such a perfectionist that you better have your SHIT together when you get in there. Cause if he's oh, got yeah. an idea and he's ready to run and I'm not saying he's not, he's the sweetest man in the world. I'll drink a beer with Brent Cobb any day of the week, yeah. but man is like, that's that's how I see it rolling with you is just writing these like Brent's written with all of the names, right? All everybody that's in Nashville, Brent yeah. writes with. And I just see like him and him and Adam are some of the and, and Rob. I mean, Rob is is so freaking talented. Oh yeah. There's there's a there's some really good art artists out there that when you said that, it makes me think. What if the world never hears Brent Cobb shine on rainy day? And that oh, first, no. well, that first hit when he first hits, I love strangers, dogs, deals and danger. Like oh, when I, yeah. I can't go to bed without hearing it once a day. And I will not keep a dry eye when I hear that song because yeah. it's life, right? Like that's how I, that's how I visualize your, your music is like, you're, you're getting that to that point of commercial success, but it's not tacky to me. It's like, so it's so needed. And when I hear it, I'm like, God damn, I'm gonna spread the word. This is good country music. And we need, we need that hit. We need that big hit to come off of a song like sawn logs or hot beer or big truck. All of these songs that you're coming out with, they hit home. And once that happens, I feel it's going to open the doors for guys like Brent Cobb and these guys that can sure. come. And maybe that's what's needed is just a little tiny boost. I appreciate it, man. Uh, uh, but but yeah, it's uh, it's one step at a time. That's one thing is is trendsetters, and and I'm not saying I'm that guy, but but there's always a trendsetter out there that that changes, that hits, and changes the format. Uh, Luke Combs is probably one of them. I mean, I think we're going to start seeing more and more. Uh, songs that, that and artists that come along that are kind of succeeding that are that are leaning into that thing, and then after that, or maybe around the same time, I think you'll start seeing a transition. Uh, I mean, it's 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 no doubt that uh, that the Luke Combs phenomenon is is a big one, maybe the biggest one in a while, as far as someone that is still uh, adored by people that are fans of of the traditional country music still adored by people that are you know just a part of the the more commercial country music like kind of that 360 everything and i think that that his uh what he's done is great and and, and i meant to mention earlier uh he's one of the people and it's it's funny cuz at it wasn't funny at the time but there was a a uh a, a you know a journalist or somebody that wrote an article and i told him this i said luke and word for word i said luke combs has really made it okay for big guys to to be a part of country radio and mainstream country because before luke combs came along it was not okay. Like you would, you, the, the single reason you would not get a record deals because dude, you need to lose like 45 pounds. That is not a thing anymore. And it is solely because of Luke Combs. So, but this journalist took this 
and twisted this whole thing. And it was a big headline on Google when you Googled my name. Dylan Carmichael owes his entire career to Luke Combs. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what you said. That's not what I said. And you can go back and listen to the interview and be like, that is not. It's just whatever you, I, I don't remember what you, what they call it. It's a term. It's like attention grabber headline or oh, something yeah. like that. Just trying to get clicks on it. But, but it's all those, my point is all those little steps, those, those this artist or that artist or this songwriter or this Chris Stapleton that saw a significant amount of success. And I, we all know it from the one CMA thing. I mean, his talent is, is much better than taking him till he's 37 years old to see success as an artist. You know, his talent should, I mean that he should have been the biggest thing ever when he was 27, but that wasn't the case, and and he he might be thankful for that. Who knows? But but it's the Chris Stapleton at the CMA Award moment. It's the Luke Combs thing where he made it cool for big guys, and then he made it cool to put some traditional country in the songs. Uh, and then it's this person and this person and all these these little steps that come along. I think that will eventually get it back to to a good healthy place. But 2013. You had to be Florida Georgia Line and Sam Hunt to be a part of this industry was not healthy. And that, and that's, you know, and by the way, I'm not saying that they're bad or that they are not talented. I'm just saying that you had to be them or you were screwed. You had no chance to to live your dream, which was not, not healthy for, for an industry, in my opinion. I agree. I couldn't have said it better myself. And I think about, you know, all of the discussions I've had about, you know, what is country music and who am I to really put a stamp on what country music is? I love the way Ray Fulcher writes a song. He's yeah. making a living off of writing hits with Luke Combs, but Ray Fulcher hasn't had, he hasn't had that success of an artist yet. When, if you listen to Ray, you're like, yeah, Ray's got some talent. So you're like, what does it really take? What, what does it take to be country? I can put the words together, but like we talked about initially in this conversation is that it factor, you know, yeah. that's that staying power or the makeup, they call it. Do you have the yep. makeup to be a big leaguer? And when I look at things that take off and like what Brichette has done with big machine and some of the artists over there, I don't really know if, if it was country music, I see yeah. guys like chase that fell into a trap of going down that R and B or that pop highway. And then Nelly rapped on the crew song. And I'm not saying anything bad about FLG. I would never go see them in concert. They're just not my bag of bag of, right. you know, like I, I'm not a big fan, but I think that chase his new stuff that he's getting ready to launch is country. And I think yeah. that people, my point Dylan Carmichael is I think people are starting to say, there really is country music out there still. You've seen this stuff yeah. like Florida Georgia Lion on the Wayland Jennings shirt and says, I pissed there once. Like there, there is a it, mindset out there that it's got to get back to yeah. hearing songs that hit down home. And a girl coming out of the ocean and shaking her hair and having a 10 smoking body is not realistic. It's right. not realistic. It's living in a fantasy land. But here, you can groove to it. You can dance to it. And every 18-year-old girl in the country is going to buy a beer and shake their ass to it in a, in a concert. But yeah. to me, I want real country music, which brings me to this next point about my man, Dylan Carmichael. Here, I heard a rumor that there was an artist that is one of my favorite of all time. He was part of the, the late 80s and the 90s, just huge hits. Um, 
he needed one more song for his new album that was released in the last two weeks, and it's a genius album in my opinion, especially if one takes the time to read the internotes or the cliff notes on who wrote on this album with this man. He needs one more. You take a red eye because you get an opportunity. He already knows your name. He says, heck yes, bring Dylan in here. You take a red eye, and you guys write two songs. One of them makes Travis Tritt's new album. Are you kidding yeah. me, bro? Come on now. Oh, man. I mean, like, probably the still just underplaying the Opry, the coolest thing I've done yet is right with Travis Tritt. And, and then just to make that even better, he cuts it on his album. I will tell you that story real quick. And you, and you told most of it. But, and Travis don't even know that this happened, by the way. Because I didn't want to go in there. Hey, by like, the way, hey, I, want, man, I want you to know, Dylan, real quick. I just yeah. want to tell the audience that the song is called They Don't Make Them Like That No More. The album is amazing. And Travis Tritt's on the podcast tomorrow. Thank you very much. Oh, dude, that's and awesome. I, I'm going to talk about that song more tomorrow yeah. with, with Travis. That's awesome, man. I love that. But, but yeah, I didn't want to go. I, I didn't want to go in the room with him and be like, hey, man, I had to catch a red eye to be here this morning. I'm just not that way. Some people are, not me. Uh, but so he doesn't know the story. Uh, so I, I did a show with Kevin Fowler in Oklahoma. I think it was Oklahoma city. And this is right before COVID actually right when it was happening. And I'd been communicating back and forth. And by the way, Ben Ratliff is the one that made this happen. So credit to my, to our buddy, Ben, great dude. Very good. He, dude. he didn't have to, he didn't have to do that, but, but he said, we were talking and he's like, man, you know, Travis Tritt knows who you are. Right. And I was like, really? He said, yeah, man, he loves old songs like that. He said, I bet if I called him right now and said, will you write with Dylan Carmichael? He would make, he would, he'd be all about it. I said, man, I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to react to this, this situation right now, but he did. He called, Travis or maybe Cheese, Travis's manager, uh, and and said, "Hey, can we make this happen?" Well, Travis was all in, but the problem he had that one day because he was he you know he lives in Georgia he was he was there in Nashville for that one week and every single day was booked up except that one day, and I was in Oklahoma the night before playing a late show like all damn night party party in Oklahoma City all night. So I, I, I literally walked off stage, went and high five Kevin Fowler, said, I'm going to write with Travis Tritt, dude. And he's like, yeah, man, tell Travis, hey. Get, went and got in whatever, I guess, uh, Uber or whatever. So maybe somebody dropped me off. Got got on the plane at like midnight, 1230. The only flight they had back overnight for whatever reason, I feel like there was maybe a layover, maybe two layovers or something. So it was like all night. So left at midnight, flew back, uh, lost a couple hours, you know, in the time zone change, landed and went straight to the house, jumped in the shower, got dressed, ran over to right with Travis. I'd been up for like 30 something hours, not complaining, but just saying like, that's how much I appreciate Travis Tria. So we pulled up, got went in there. I like ninety five percent of the of of the right with Travis Tritt. I was like, 
I've known this guy for 30 years. You know, that's what it felt like. That's that's how Travis Tritt is as a person. You 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 know Travis like he you think you've known him for 30 years. You you would think that y'all were family. He's that just uh, he, he every word he speaks is is just like you're his own family. But anyway, and then the other 5% of the right, I was like I'm writing with Travis Tritt right now. What is happening? <laughs> That's how I'd have been. But uh, but yeah, it took a lot to to get in there, and we finally got in there. And and buddy, I ha- he had a great song title. He had a song title, and then I I came in with the song title. They don't make them like that and no more. And I actually looked up before before we got there uh, to see if there were any any other titles, and Riley Green had one. And I, I kind of already had uh, my – I listened to that song, and I already kind of had like a direction for the first couple lines or maybe like a concept for for a little bit of the chorus. Travis ended up like sending it home, man. Like I played him a little bit of the verse and maybe a couple lines in the chorus. And, and buddy, he went to work on that song. He started throwing out lines to me. I'm like, dude, this is this what it's – like to write songs for as many years as he has because he's a freaking great writer i'm sure you know that but but uh but yeah so we we finished that song and i was like man this not only is this a great song but this is like this is like travis tritt staple right here this song is is like this is travis tritt like everything we love about travis tritt is in this song so i'm even i'm i'm proud of that too the entire album, man, when you listen to Set in Stone, song to song, it's so Travis Tritt. Oh, there's, for sure. There's there's nothing that tells me he didn't have a touch on each of those songs. And they it, it was almost like a continuation from the last album 13 or 14 years ago. Just kept going. Yeah. Oh, just yeah. kept going. He's just uh, he's, smoking he's, a bar. <clears throat> yeah, Tim Montana wrote on that, another buddy of mine. He uh, wrote on that with Travis. I've uh, got a note in my phone somewhere, like from you know, three or four years ago, and I'd written down, I wish it was still cool enough. I wish smoking cigarettes was still cool enough that you could smoke in a bar. Still, you know, and, and I, I always would revisit that idea and go like, how how am I, how would I do that? Like, how would I write this idea? And I never landed on it. <laughs> they they landed on it. I mean, they, they killed it. I, I you know, it's, unbelievable song another one is um it's I, I may not have the title exactly right it's uh but that ain't me no more or something like that yeah the um that ain't me no more yeah ain't who i was ain't who i was is that brent cobb that's a, i can't remember i i did look i i'm i can't off the top of my head i can't remember i have it on here i right? know brent wrote a, a on a, a couple of those tunes so when you're sitting there with him, do you talk to him about Wayland? Do you get to say, "Hey, when are you taking me out on the road?" I mean, do I get to do I get to, do I get to do a duo with you one day? Can can we just sit here and pick? Here's a quarter. Call someone who cares, real quick. I mean, do you yeah. fan, do you fanboy out at all and ask him for an autograph and a picture or what? Nah, I, I didn't because I'm sure he's had enough of that, and I I, I, I think he probably expects his uh, songwriter community in nashville to to not be that way a little bit uh i I, i'm 
<laughs> I'm a I'm a professional songwriter, I guess in my own terms. Uh that's all relative. Someone who's had 15 number ones as a songwriter would probably laugh at me for saying that. But anyway, I want to I want to carry myself that way. And yeah, did I did I low key want to uh, take a picture and get an autograph and be like, hey, we sign my guitar and can I call my mom and can you say hi to my mom? <laughs> yeah, I did, but I didn't. I didn't want to do that. But but no, like I said, I mean, we had a little bourbon, a couple sips of bourbon. We talked about bourbon. You mean whiskey? <laughs> <laughs> We talked about Waylon, which is funny you brought that up. We did talk about Waylon. He was a uh, super tight with Waylon. Uh, it was cool to hear about a uh, firsthand how Waylon was as a person. Uh, and we talked about Charlie Daniels. Ugh. We talked about radio. Radio. He, he's another artist that radio. Um, he's he's been success, very successful at radio, but he's also kept it kept the roots there and. That's really how I want my career to go. Uh, we talked about radio. What else we talk about? I love his – one thing that I'm going to talk to him about tomorrow is how he really made me love watching country music videos. He yeah. he, he built the best videos, man. They were they were the shit back oh, yeah. in the day. For sure. They were great. That song yeah. we were talking about, Ain't Who I Was, was written by Travis Tritt, Brent Cobb, and Adam Hood. Okay. Yeah. Triple threat right there. Look Triple out, buddy. Threat. Those so, three in the room. So you you get a cut on Travis Tritt's album. You're kind of you're relatively new to the game. I mean, it's not like you're even hit yeah. your prime or you're nowhere near being a veteran. Right. This is a big deal. This is a good Kickstarter. Now you got a song on the radio. I want to hear a song. I want to hear. I want the audience to hear what you can throw down because it's so country. It's so vivid. And what's really good about the album is that the production deserves a kudos because the musicianship is killer on these tracks, yeah. bro. Like, I'm really proud of this. I mean, it's groovy. Like, it's got some funk to it. It's got some It's got some seriously, you know, like country sounds to it, but it keeps you going. Like, it's, it's whoever did that part of the album, I don't know if it's John or whoever, but they killed the production part of this album. Yeah. Well, I, so I actually have three producers on, on this album, Phil O'Donnell. Dan Huff and John Party and Ryan Gore. Well, I say three producers, John Party and Ryan Gore, uh, were they were producing together. So three different productions on the the record. And uh, I mean, just every every time I went in the studio and saw who the band was, it's like, man. I mean, we had uh party had Lonnie Wilson playing drums and uh Phil has always kind of had uh, Tom Bukovic and Party Had Saul on there. And these are all names that everyone listening, unless, they're, unless they've been around the music industry, they may not know or or maybe they do. But gr- just, yeah, great musicians. Party's got a great ear for, for production as well. And uh, I think I, if I'm if I'm not his first artist that he's ever produced, I'm one of them. He, he's new to production. Uh, as far as producing other artists, but I know he's produced his own records and stuff. But it just turned out so good, and it all happened in a uh, in a very organic kind of way, which I think is the way it's supposed to be. But party party's one of the first people I met in Nashville, so we we were signed to the same publishing company in twenty probably twenty thirteen fourteen. 
And uh, so we would, we'd be in St. Publishing Company crossing paths in the hallway, like, what's up, Dylan? What's up? What's up, John? And just kind of getting to know each other a little bit. But we didn't connect on a music level at that time because he was, he was quite a bit above me. Uh, he had a record deal at Capitol, uh, had a record out, had a song to radio. He was touring all the time. And I'm just a songwriter at this point. I'm not even an artist yet. So we know each other, but we're not collaborating. And uh, and our schedules have never lined up, but we've always been fans of each other. And then quarantine hit, and it's like, what are you doing? I ain't doing nothing. What are you doing? I ain't doing nothing either. <laughs> well, you know what? Let's go in the studio and, and see if we can make some music. And uh, that's what we did, and, and it, it was so good. The, the label's like, man, we got to keep doing this. Let's do this again and again. So... So now we've got a whole record that I'm I'm super excited about. <laughs> he had me doing parties, and you know party, but he's real particular, I would say, especially when it comes to music. And I've never had a producer that was hard on me when I was singing. But party's a singer. So I'm in there, he's like, man, come on, what are you doing? Like, you got your thumb up your ass. What are you doing in there? <laughs> We're here to sing, man. What are you doing? And and I'm like, I just got some allergies going on, dude. I, I'm 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 having trouble hitting that note, or uh, I'm running out of breath, or whatever. And he's like, I'm gonna start punishing your ass. So he starts making me do exercises in the vocal booth. If I screw up or I don't hit a note and or I ain't got it that locked down yet, it'll be like planks. <laughs> And I'm like, really? Him and, oh, man. Him and Summer like, got you on their workout program, huh? <laughs> yeah, I saw them there doing planks. <laughs> Believe it or not, it helped. It helped. It was like, okay, well, your mind tells yourself, I don't want to do planks anymore. I'm going to produce. So so that's how we got. I, I, still, I still think that's how we got such good vocals on this project was planks. I mean, hey, bro, he, he, pulled, <laughs> he pulled off some uh, – he pulled off some prints on that last Rancho Fiesta album he put out. He put nothing compares to you, a little Sinead O'Connor hit that Prince did. He did yeah. good on that too. I, I I really enjoy that kind of organic, just go out to the barn and cut up. And it's almost oh, like sure. the old it's almost like that lonesome song feeling with Jamie to where yeah. they keep talking at the end of the track, you know, oh, yeah. and, and they kept it on there. I, I I love that part about music. I love anything kind of behind the scenes that gives an outsider an ability to look in that window for a second and be like, Oh shit, these are just regular du- dudes that get allergies, right? Like that's just part right. of the game. And um when you start th- when you start putting this album together, it, how does it how does it work? Where you go? That's a good name for the album. How do you, how does that happen? With a does one stick? Does like hot beer just be like that's something that a country music fan is going to like gravitate towards, and they'll yeah. they'll understand that. Well, I think I think in this situation, hot beer became the title to the EP because it's the radio single, but. The title for the LP that's coming out in the fall of 2021, it does not have a title yet, and I'm going to take that one pretty seriously. EPs are great. It, it, anything that gets my music out there, I'm excited about. But I really get excited when it comes to LPs because then we get vinyl and CDs, maybe uh, definitely vinyl. But uh, but no, I'll come up with we'll, you know we'll come up with a title for the for the LP in the fall. 
uh, and and that's to be determined. And you were talking about Jamie Johnson a minute ago. I want to tell a story. So uh, Cowboy is Jamie Johnson's pedal steel player, and he used to play for Hank Jr. If you go back and listen to uh, that Lonesome song, Jamie says something like, Cowboy, tell him about the bee sting. You know what I'm talking about? 100%. So I went, I was backstage hanging out with all of them on the bus, and it just occurred to me. I was like, cowboy, man, I've got to know the story about the bee sting. Because it doesn't say, it doesn't tell the story. It just goes into the next song, and it doesn't ever tell the bee sting story. And he's like, oh, man, the bee sting. And and he's kind of nudging everybody on the bus, and everybody's laughing and Oh man, the bee sting. And I'm like, okay, well, what, what's the story about the bee sting? And he goes, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Still never got to hear the story about the bee sting. I'm wondering if there even is a story about the bee sting. <laughs> Do you, well, Cowboy, he's very creative and he's a, he's a storyteller. So like yeah. that, that's like a cross between like, uh, like Michael Martin Murphy meets, uh, Dean Dillon and meets another cowboy poet, maybe out around a campfire and they yeah. got their tin cup full of whiskey and they just start telling stories. And that I, I've been, I've been in so many places around those guys to where, I mean, cowboy will stop and just talk to you for about 20 minutes. And at the end yeah. of the 20 minutes, you're sitting there going, I didn't get to the resolution of any of this. <laughs> like we didn't figure out any world problems or nothing. He's just, oh. <laughs> hey, here's a song idea for you. All right. Um, you hold on one second. I want to make sure. I was talking to this girl today, a friend, and she said, you know, you, I love you like crazy. I love you. You know, like I'm crazy about you. You need to write a song, Dylan Carmichael. That talks okay. about how crazy women are and how you can love their crazy away. Oh, okay. You follow me? I follow you. Do you write? Chad, do you write? Are you a songwriter? Did I lose you? Does, does, does that song make sense? Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you now. I got you. Oh, okay. Uh, no, it does. And I'm asking, are you a songwriter? Um, I've written five songs. My brother just pinned one with Leith Lofton that's really, really cool. Okay. Um, I I would say this. I am very envious of the art. I think yeah. that to not be long-winded and to be able to tell such a strong story in three and a half minutes is so badass. Unless you're like Don McLean in American Pie or Freebird or Axl Rose in Estranged or something. I know there's <laughs> the ballads, the long ones, but I just, I get so much out of listening to Dean Dillon in the chair, right? Like that, that oh, song yeah. to me is like simple genius, right? Like oh, what, yeah. what did you just, you just took us around that quick and it and was that, never his that chair. That was something like that story was, they were, I mean, him and, uh, I thought, I'm trying to remember the other writer on it, but they were sitting on a boat and they were, and and it was the conversation was something a lot like, man, I I bet you could you can write a song about anything. I bet you I bet you could even write a song about that chair over there. <laughs> no way. <laughs> it was something like that. And there's actually a documentary out there that that talks about tells the story. But yeah, and and that's a thing too that I I really miss going back to traditional country music because there's always a story. 
there's a story about um, Johnny Paycheck and Mel Tillis, and they tell the story on the Opry. Uh, Johnny Paycheck and Mel Tillis, and and you know Mel Tillis had a a, a, a stuttering problem. You know, yeah, only when only when he talked though. Only when he talked, yeah. So Johnny Paycheck shows up to the hotel and Mel Tillis and they're staying in this room together. I think it's the comfort Inn on Demumbrian in Nashville. They're staying in this room together and he walks in and Mel Tillis is just going crazy. And what had happened was somebody broke into the room and stole a guitar. And so the cops show up and Johnny paycheck shows up and he's like, there's cops here. What the heck's going on, Mel? What's up? And Mel's like, what? What uh, there, there, this, this guy and it, the, the window and it, it, what, it and Johnny Paycheck goes, Mail, sing it. <laughs> and he goes, That's well, the best. I kicked the window in and stole my guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I got to right. A little bit before he passed, I got to see him in California at the Calusa Casino, and we got to go back and meet him. And it's amazing that he sounds like he did. And then you go yeah. back there, and he did. He had he stuttered a little bit, and he and um, man, I like a lot of his music. I, I could sit and talk to you about for days about the songs like that make me go, "Wow, man!" I just oh, like yeah. I've been throwing horseshoes. Over oh, yeah. my left shoulder. When I hear Merle hit that, I just like sink into a chair. And yeah. my dad, before he passed away, Dylan was he he like living on the road, my friend. And when yeah. I hear that, she's like that's country music to me. That story is like vivid, right? And like yeah. I see Willie's tour bus, and I know exactly where he just came from. Yeah. He came from some shit asphalt across New Mexico. Said six pack on the back, and. And or William family on the back, and he just had this whole aura of horses and stallions and eagles yeah. and and you know just we gotta, America. We got to get back to that, and that's what I was saying a minute ago. We got to get back to those stories. You know, everybody's kind of, and I get it. Everybody's kind of concerned about ah, well, I can't really say this. And nobody takes any risks. Nobody does anything that's going to make a good story someday because they're scared to. But we got to get back to that. I'm not saying we got to go do you know, just self-destructive things or like, but you know, one of the greatest stories is, um, um, I don't know if you can beat that Johnny paycheck. One. Oh, I, know. <laughs> I, well, it was, I think, I think it was Harlan Howard. It was maybe his wife or girlfriend. And she said, she's been back in the seventies. There was, there wasn't good Mexican food in Nashville. It wasn't, it wasn't a thing yet to where America had, it was the Americans got into Mexican food for whatever reason. So back in the seventies, Harlan Howard's girlfriend was like, um, Hank Cochran. It was Hank Cochran. I always get them confused. Hank Cochran's girlfriend was like, Hank, man, I'd really love some good Mexican food, but there's no good Mexican food around here. So for lunch, they, he got in, they got in a limo, went to the airport, flew to Mexico in his private jet, <laughs> ate, ate Mexican food, and flew back all in one action. And I'm like, man, that's love. nobody's doing stuff like that. It makes such no. a good story. 
It's we need to make some stories. You know, you got to make like, stories that are real because, like, Brent Cobb educated me one time. He said, "Man, just go get the silver tongue devil and listen to Christopherson, or go figure out how." underrated and i think this is for generation my age and younger even your i mean you're way younger than i am but hank williams jr the bo cephas is one of the baddest ass songwriters and guitar oh, players sure. and musicians get educated on jerry reed and the stories that he'd sit there and talk with chet atkins about chet atkins about life and and, and music and and then the art behind it like there's just i don't think that fabric is there in the music much anymore i call it right. cubicle i call it cubicle country you said yeah. you passed john in the hallway i just picture all these little country music writer robots just printing them out and pat here let kenny chesty <laughs> listen to that one let eric church let dylan carmichael listen to that one. and yeah. it's like man i want brent says they wrote when they were stoned. They wrote when they were low. They wrote when they were high. They wrote when yeah. they were happy. They wrote, they always were writing. Yeah. They were always writing because it was what they did and they just put it down. And that's, we'll go back to Chris Knight before you sing a song is that when you listen to a Chris Knight song, you're like, dude, that guy had to have lived that. You don't just For say sure, shit like you can't yeah. make that up. It, when I, Chris has been on, we just did part three. I've had Chris on three times and it's funny. I'll tell you a story about Chris. I sent him some of my new barbecue dry rubs. Uh, and like when I get a text I, from Chris, uh, I'm going to send him today. Me, I'm going to send him out up. tomorrow. I'll send him out tomorrow. Love it. I get a, I get a, when I get a text from Chris Knight, I read it in Chris Knight's voice. And it's the funniest shit because I could just picture him trying to type this text. He's like, man, I tried that drop tying on a deer low, uh, uh, a deer tenderloin last night. It was good. <laughs> it's just, it was good. It was good. <laughs> That's Not nothing like, about the flavor profile. That, it was just it was good. That that's got Kentucky written all over it. Oh, I love being in Hopkinsville that's or Paducah, man, and freaking chasing turkeys in Hopkinsville. And I've had a lot of good, you know, like catfish noodle in Kentucky Lake and a lot of a lot of yeah. cool experiences in the state of Kentucky. You mentioned Kevin Fowler. Our Chris Knight is a honorary Texan. You know, he was he was okay. coined and he was awarded the honorary Texan award. That's Hasn't been awesome. done a ton. That's a big deal. But when you start talking about the Kevin Fowlers and the Corey Moros and the Jack Ingrams and the Robert Earl Keens and the Jerry Jeff Walkers, the biggest name to come out of Texas. Yeah. If it's not Willie, it's George Strait. But you there's a there's a whole mix of country music that went Nashville, but you did mention the 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 Texas music movement. Um, are you a fan of what they call red dirt music, Texas music, Stony LaRue's and the and the Reckless Kellys and and the Mickey and the Motor Cars? Do you like a lot of these bands I'm naming? Do they hit home with you? with their style and why is there a difference did they just say hey i ain't going to tennessee we'll just do this right here in the biggest yeah. state in the union well uh, my, my opinion is a big part of the difference is the attitude you know it's a it's a, a very proud attitude um nobody penetrates that that industry without paying those dues um it helps to be from there even though you don't have to be uh, but I really do like that. That's another challenge that I've <clears throat> wanted to uh, kind of take on is like becoming a part of the Texas world. But I love it. Going back to the music, I, I love it. I think it's great. Again, like you said, storytelling, it's real, it's honest, uh, great talent. Uh, they they really love music and it's not a, as much about that thing like oh i want to be a superstar i want to get all the ladies i want to have a tour bus um i want to be on 
the the tonight show and uh, i want to sign autographs and take pictures and i want to be rich and i feel like that can be a thing in nashville i don't think it's as much of a thing in in texas which is super super cool and don't get me wrong i i would love to have a tour bus because <laughs> i've ridden in a van enough to not want to be in a van anymore <laughs> but <laughs> And there's nothing wrong with either of those things, but but definitely uh, uh, more my style of attitude for sure. And, and I don't think no, I don't ahead, think stylistically though music. I'm gonna say this: the Texas music stylistically is that different in a sense of Texas red dirt country has evolved itself. You know, it's not it's not. You know, it, it's evolved just like like Nashville country has. I just don't think as much, you know. So it's uh, I just really love the attitude. And, and one of my favorite people I ever got to meet and hang out with is Ray Wiley Hubbard. Oh, good night. Don't even start yeah. talking about Ray. Up against the wall, redneck mother. <laughs> Up against the wall, yeah. redneck. Do I have a good yes, voice, Dylan? Can you I get do, in there? man. I think you, I, I mean, come on. <laughs> hey, um. Well, you did ask me, like, do I write songs? Are you interested in writing this Love That Crazy Away? I think it's a good idea. Yeah, I think it is, too. I am interested, for sure. I wonder, like, because, you know what? I have a daughter, and I pray that everything's okay. But I also heard that, you know, there's a little bit of crazy in everybody. You know, a lot of girls, there's a little bit of crazy. Just, you know, there's that hot, that hot, crazy spectrum that you've seen. Or the, 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 you know, the thing on (laughs) YouTube. But uh, the the Matrix, not the spectrum. Yeah. But can you fall in love with the crazy girl or fall in love with the crazy man and love him so much that the crazy goes away? I don't know if it needs to be sappy, but I could have saved this to talk to Travis Tritt about this song, you know, Dylan Carmichael. But I think, (laughs) I think with your style, your style is so legit, like for this kind of song, like it's, it's, I think it could have a little bit of a, a a funny and a warm undertone at the same time. If you do it right. Yeah, well, the word crazy being in there automatically will help with that. But, no, I think it's great. And, uh, yes, I, I think that everyone has a little, you know, a, a little crazy. Some people are crazier than others, obviously. But but, uh, but I think you can – I think you can fall in love with uh, someone that's got a little crazy. I, I mean, I'm living proof. Shayla fell in love with me, so – I do it like I do it like if I go to Nashville for four nights, I do it about three times a night for four nights. So that's twelve times. <laughs> hey, you mentioned you mentioned that Texas music uh, audience and how real it is. There's been artists that have tried to come to Nashville, like Pat Green, and when yeah. he he when he didn't he had wave on wave and some commercial success, yeah. and that Texas audience did not appreciate that. And I no. don't even know if he's been accepted back now. Yeah, that's. I've heard that. I've heard that that's a thing. I mean, those Texans, they take their country music very seriously. That's that's what's great about it. It's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think, I think they're a little hard on Nashville. I think it's, uh, I'm also not from Texas, so I can't be in their shoes. But I moved to Nashville because Waylon moved to Nashville. And Wayland's from Texas, you know, so it's not, it can't be that bad. Wayland Jennings moved there. <laughs> yeah. So I, I like, like Nashville. That. I like Hattie B's. I don't think, yeah. 
<laughs> I like, I like hey, there ain't, there ain't nothing about Nashville I don't like. I mean, it's getting big. And, it is. And I'm I just, not, yeah, I'm not a big fan of it growing because I'm scared to death that that it's going to lose that small town uh, community, that songwriter community, that uh, go you know walk in losers and know everybody there. I'm worried that that's going to change, and it has changed uh, since when I moved here only eight years ago. I mean, when I went in there and the, for the first time I was underage. But I mean, it was like I was, I had a buddy there that knew everybody. And uh, he was introducing me, like, oh, this is so and so. They wrote, you know, the song, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? Oh, this is the producer guy, you know, this, oh, that's the guy that played guitar on. Uh, and it's, I'm sitting there like, wow. And now you go in there, it's Vanderbilt college kids and yeah. no songwriters, no producers, maybe a couple, but. And about 400 bachelorette parties. Yeah, exactly. So I'm a little concerned that we might lose that, which is a uh, a wonderful thing that makes Nashville Nashville. And when it loses that, I don't know if I will be able to 100% ever say that Nashville is still Nashville. But it's still a great city, man. And anything that's got streets named after music, <laughs> you know, uh, is a is a cool place. It's still Music City. And uh, I'll tell you what's not Music City, Bergen, Kentucky. You can't get nothing done where I'm from, so I, we need somewhere to uh, to go to to make music. So I, I'm not complaining, but it's uh, uh th- th- things change. So just way it is. Do you um, would you cover Feed Jake on an album? And <laughs> <laughs> this is a song. This this is a song that's straight Kentucky, right? Yeah. Well, and first off, I don't know what this song is. What is are, this song? Are you serious? Yeah. What, what about is, what about Elvis and Andy? Now wait a minute. Let's go back to Feed Jake first. Is, what is I, that? And I, I think have a that, reason for being I, for. I think it. that's Confederate Railroad's big hit. Okay, it's a dog, right? It's a dog. See, I'm, I've <laughs> listened to the song, but I don't. I get like people bring that song up to me all the time. You know why? I just it just occurred to me because I they they think I sound like the lead singer guy. What's his name? Dan. Uh, what's his name? Of Confederate Railroad. Confederate Railroad. Hold on, no, Dan Thompson. Danny Shirley. Shirley, yeah, that's it. Shirley. I get compared to him a lot, but well, that's why say, I was saying is because you sound that song suits you. But I'm telling you, here's what's cool I'll about check you. It out, dude. The other song that I think you should cover, and I'm not trying to tell you how to live your career, okay, Dylan Carmichael. I'm just <laughs> saying I I hear the George Strait song "Run" coming out of one of your albums because that uh, yeah. you sound like you could kill that song too. Yeah, that's uh, that's one of my favorites, and actually, that's uh, uh, I'm sure every relationship has a song. That's Shayla. That's me and Shayla's song. No, that's uh, my song, bro. That's oh, my yeah. song. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, you know, that's that's the beautiful thing about country music. But but yeah, no, that's a uh, that's a great song. I, I've done. I, there's a cover out there of me doing that somewhere. Are YouTube you close? Or, are you close with your mama, Dylan Carmichael? I am, yeah. Okay, Thank well, you, you got to tell me. You got to tell me the look on her face, and if her jaw actually hit the ground, <laughs> or did she slap you when she heard the lyrics to "Sawn Logs"? Because that <laughs> I could just see your little country mama going. You did not. If what you did knew you my, just mom, say? my mom, my <laughs> mom, my mom, she wrote it with you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> my mom would. Uh, 
if she would have heard that song before me, she would have sent it to me and been like, you got to record this. <laughs> That's so awesome. Well, Dude, well, I, when, I fir- when I first heard it, I want to set it up. I tried to explain it to this a friend of mine today, and it was uh, – I don't want to lie to you. I want to tell you who it was. It was uh, Jason Nash. He is the, okay. I'm name dropping here, but he's the vice president of marketing for federal ammunition, uh, uh-huh. of the ammunition company. He's in Minnesota. Hell well, yeah. I was bragging to him about your music today. And I'm like, dude, he's got this song where him and his girl are in the house. They're drinking some box wine. They're getting, they're getting lit, but they're running out. So he's going to run to the store. And on his way out the door, he sees that the, the, the little thing that our grandmas and our moms and dads had in the house that held the logs, you know, is made out of wire and stuff <laughs> was running low. So he's like, shit, I'm going to get a couple more logs, another little kit of logs at the store too. come home with more firewood to keep that fire hot and another bo- oh, yeah. box of wine and you come home and she's passed out on the couch because the first box of wine got to her <laughs> and you're sitting there going what the heck man and i like but then where it goes from there is is really clever really witty but i gotta ask this and i i hope your girlfriend doesn't hear this because i want to meet her someday and, and i hope she likes me but she doesn't snore now does she <laughs> no i do though i do well you need to get a cpap dylan yeah <laughs> probably no, I got a just here lately in the in the spring when spring hits, I start getting allergies real bad. Probably more than a CPAP, I need like one of those uh, surgeries where they whatever be, you call be it. Be careful with that, man. I've heard I some know. horror stories on that deal. I, I've been worried to do it because I do get allergies and sinus infections, but I don't want it to affect my singing. So that's why I, I don't ever have any surgeries involving. Anything Are you here. trained, Dylan? Are you trained? Did you uh, train or was it just with your family? I'm a uh, I'm not trained in anything but being a dumbass. So you taught <laughs> you, you this is your God-given voice and you just learned through trial and error and tribulation how to hit these notes and run um, these chords together. My my mom and my my dad's dad uh had a lot to do with that. So I'll start with my dad's dad. His name was Harold Carmichael. My dad's Matthew Carmichael. Um, Harold, my grandfather, would take me out and we would, and I would hang out with old people. It was all old people. And they would have guitars, mandolins, fiddles, um, and they would just play songs. And we would go like maybe every Thursday. And this place was like, you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face for the the damn uh, Winston cigarette Cigarette smoke smoke. and i'm in here like 12 years old (laughs) and listening to them sing but i loved every minute of it and eventually i started learning these songs and stuff and my grandfather would be like dylan hey man sing sing that song you like uh gilbert over there knows it on the guitar so he'll play it and you sing it and uh and i really loved elvis then so i would do a lot of elvis and he would he would get me out there hanging out with and sing. So my grandfather on my dad's side had a lot to do with it. My mom, uh, being a singer her whole life, had a lot to do with it too. She uh, she was the one that kind of she'd get on me. Like she's like, "Hey, you want to do this? Don't be half-assing this stuff. You know, if you want to be a singer, then you got to take it seriously. Like, uh, what ain't no half-assing this singing thing. She make me sing louder and prouder and." And and I wouldn't be able to hit a certain note, and she'd she'd be hard on me and be like, "Come on, sing that shit like a man. What are you What are you doing?" Just and so she was a little harder on me, and so I had a lot of 
music influences from both sides. My dad, one time, I played my first show. It was at the Bergen Festival in, uh, in where I grew up, Bergen, Kentucky. And it was the very first festival they had ever done. And they set a, a tobacco wagon up just pretty much in the middle of the street. And they had people come up and play, and they'd have the all all the old guys that played the bluegrass and stuff like that would come up, and then they had me, and it was my first show, and I was so freaking nervous. And I got up on that stage, and I heard my mom going, "Sing it like a man, you know, like a come on, you're, this is your moment." And and so I went up there, and and I owned it for about halfway through, and then my voice started giving out on me and I was cracking. I sound like somebody stepped on a cat, man. Oh shoot! <laughs> I got off that stage and I went and my dad picked me up and I just cried like a little baby, man, the whole way home. And my dad's like, and he didn't have a whole lot to say about the music thing. Cause even though his dad was a fat loved music, my dad was was a business. I mean, is still a businessman. Um, very very about college. Very down to earth business. Like this artsy fartsy stuff ain't gonna fly. Um, and he he looked over at me. He's like, "Son, if you're serious about this, you just you, you got to keep going." He said, "He said you're gonna be a big superstar someday." But you gotta, you gotta keep going, lift your head up, and quit crying. You know, you're Good sitting here night. crying about it. Quit crying. Go in the house, grab that guitar, and get better. And, and then you walk and, in the house to get your guitar, and your mom yeah. says, "Get in the plank position." Yeah, <laughs> it yeah, sounds it like John Party took some notes from your mom on how to no on how to this. But that's cool though. That's that's a big thing of like getting that support because it's oh, so yeah. hard to make it and a guy can waste a good 15 years chasing that dream. Yeah. Big time. Sure. If he does, you know that like that's, that's a, a legit legitimate concern from your old man. That's one thing I will say is, is that's different about my story is I had support to do that's music awesome. from most people. I did have a counselor in school uh, that, that was not about the music that basically was like, okay, so your uncle John Michael made it big and he was a big small town superstar. Now he's known everywhere. And then as if that's not crazy enough, his brother made it big and that's crazy. You think you're going to make it big. You think you're going to break the rules of destiny and you're going to be the third like looking at it from the opposite way i was looking at it i was looking at, at it like well my uncles did it not only my uncles both of my uncles made it big separately and they're full brothers and so it was like to me it's so possible i was uh, with uh went and seen shannon doe the other day at a songwriter thing and they got up and did some songs and they were they were talking they're like it's not that hard to get a record deal. It's hard to keep a record deal. And, and it's kind of true. Like when I came to Nashville, I was like, this is going to be so challenging. And, and it was challenging, but it was challenging in ways that I didn't expect. And it was like finding your people and, uh, you know, finding people that believe in you and you believe in them. Like God puts people in our lives where, where they're supposed to be. 
And uh, if if when I was younger and I had all these uncertainties, I wish I would have known like, hey, dude, this stuff's in God's hand, man. You're gonna have some ups and downs, but at the end of the day. You're gonna you're gonna have fallen outs with people that you need to have fallen outs with, and you can't beat yourself up over it. And you're gonna find people that believe in you, and you're gonna believe in them, and they're gonna come into your life, and you're gonna come into their life, and it's all un- I've got control of this situation, but I just didn't know that. Uh, but but yeah, it's a <clears throat> a lot. Obviously, a big thing that my uncle's uh, uh, big shoes to fill, a lot of pressure uh to uh a lot of pressure i will just say that and then i'll uh, I, I think you're i think you're taking it on fine and there's a a creative prowess there man that's this that's what you got going on for you is that there is some legit that's why i brought that song up because you have to be creative to get out of a song title that you want to get out of it. And it's not easy. Like when I sit down to write a song, you know, you hear people, I wrote, I wrote that song in 20 minutes and I'm like, yeah, whatever. Right. Like, but they do, they (laughs) do like John told me that they wrote tequila, tequila, little time with you, him and him and Rhett wrote it in like 20 minutes after Rhett said it (laughs) out laying on the couch. It's like nuts to me. Right. So you you got that. I want to hear, let's do, look, we do a couple songs. Oh, absolutely. You feel like singing? I do. I always feel like singing. I like it. Um, you can ask Shayla. People, all the time, people go like, um, hey, you don't have to sing if you don't want to. And it's like, Shayla's like, he loves singing. He will sing anywhere, anytime. Well, I, 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 lo- I love this EP. It's called Hot Beer. Dylan Carmichael. Y'all get it in your ears. You'll find it on the Foul Life playlist soon enough on Apple. But this man has touched all these songs with his pencil and pen like you heard in the interview in the conversation he's got a new cut on set in stone the new album by travis tritt which is unbelievable ground to be walking on what do you want to do first dylan let's can we do you want to do the single or do you want to do sawing logs first oh man uh i'm gonna do sawing logs first i love it how's that yes sir all right y'all check us out Glass of a bowl of pops. She finished that one off. She looked at me. I thought, baby, I'll be right back. Ran down to the grocery store. Yeah, to pick her up one more. Noticed right there by the door that firewood rack. Well, for a few more bucks, I could really improve my luck. About to heat this coat night up. Get to making all kinds of love. I got this hickory bundle and this fancy bottle of wine. Done with it all kinds of trouble just to get home and find her pass out on the couch, buzzing like an old chainsaw. This ain't good. I've got wood and she's sawing long. <laughs> You know what this reminds me of, and I'll get I'll, I'll sing the second verse in two seconds. There was a show that played on a rock station back home, and there was always some silly, you know, it's like 
these comedian type personalities. And there was always one guy that, that would sing just ridiculous, silly songs like this on the radio. You know what I'm talking about? Like it was a, it was a big program. Was it the one that, uh, Roy, Roy D Mercer, I'm going to get yeah, you. Boy? That was on there. Yeah. And there yeah. was always some silly song, right? You know, song guitar playing. Anyway, yeah. I feel like this is that song. Uh, well, I didn't know what to do. I cleared my throat a time or two. Stomped all around the room. She hardly made them smooth. I got more than my hopes up. But I guess that window shut. I got this hickory bundle and this fancy box of wine. Don't with all kinds of trouble just to get home and find. Her passed out on the couch, buzzing like an old chainsaw. This ain't good. I've got wood. She's sawing logs. Guess I'll give me a cold bush light. That's all I'll get tonight. I got this hickory bundle and this fancy box of wine. She's sawing logs. She's sawing logs. Yeah, she's sawing I mean, if uh, this this is just good, good shit right here, boy. <laughs> It's all, but you gotta, you gotta keep in mind that I think some of the audience, especially with a couple cold bush lights in them, is going to forget that you said you brought home some wood by the end of the song. They're not going to remember that you actually brought home a little bundle of wood, the hickory yeah. like that is so, so freaking good, man. That's such so a good strong. Story song. I, by the way, I think you mentioned something about writing this song. I actually did not write this song. Um, it was written by Bryce Long. Wynn Varble and Brandon Kenny, which makes perfect sense. Those guys have such a good sense of humor. I remember the first something, first time I met Wynn Varble, he said something like, Oh man, back in the day, I was higher than boat dock gas and just telling some <laughs> kind of story. But uh, just one of those type of people, real funny guy. But, is it- uh, and so is Brandon Kenny. I mean, and Ben Bryce is, is, uh, is just all three of them. Bryce gets me rolling on the floor, man. He's he's became one of my best friends, and and he, uh, man, he has me rolling on the floor. Is it hard to put a cut on an album that you didn't write, or do you only put a cut on an album that you didn't write if you could see yourself writing it? Is it out of respect for the songwriters that did it, or if you do have one that hits? Does it matter if you didn't write it? I know publishing wise, you want that publishing money that comes off of it. But how uh, do you, what's your ideology on that? Early on, I wanted to write at least most of the songs that I recorded. But then Red Red Akins, he told me, "Man, think about all your heroes." And think about the biggest, the biggest of the biggest country artists that were ever out there. George Strait and Garth Brooks. Man, they didn't write 
all of their songs. He said, you got to be open to cutting other songs. You got to swallow this pride that you have to write your own stuff all the time because somebody else might be able to do it better than you. And you just got to accept that. And it, and it stuck with me because, because Rhett's like, Shayla jokes. Cause when, when Rhett and I are in the same room, it's like, we click. We both love Skinner and Hank Jr. We sit and talk about Hank Jr. and Leonard Skinner for hours, among other things. Um, and uh, and so Rhett's like, like, he's became this person I really look up to. So when he said that, man, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, okay, okay. You know, I mean, if you're I, gonna, I, if you're, you're going to respect somebody in the songwriting game, he's one of the tops of all for time. For sure, yeah. So, so I started keeping my ears open for that kind of thing. Otherwise, I would maybe maybe wouldn't have cut song logs. And song logs has changed my life in a lot of ways. I, I've got a I had a a stigma for for doing these like really heavy slow life songs, which by the way is my favorite. I love them, and that's that's okay to have that stigma. But it was kind of nice to break and be like, okay, Dylan's got a little bit of a sense of humor here, you know? <laughs> uh, dude, I love I, – but your voice, man, it sells it, and it it's it's painting that picture. It's like throwing all them oils at that canvas and getting that masterpiece out of it that you never know. You just never know, like, what is going to, you know, resonate yeah. with the audience. Just because it's not a radio hit, it could be a big-time live hit, right? It could be yeah. one, of those, one of those ones to where the audience just cannot wait – for you to play it live. And that's, that's what I look forward to. By the way, June 4th through the 7th, 3rd through the 6th or something, Gulf Coast Jam, Leonard Skinner, Leonard's Cody Jinx opens for Leonard Skinner Friday Mm -hmm. night. Do you want to meet me down? I'm flying across the country to go to it. If you ain't busy, you and your girl should come down there. No kidding. Where's it at? Panama city beach. Oh man. And you said June Third through or fourth through the seventh, fourth through the sixth, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Thursday, no, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'll have to look and see what's going on, see if we have a show. But if we don't, I'm so down. Yeah, we we want to go. Like we love Florida, but but we especially love Cody Johnson and Skinner. It's Cody Jinx. Cody Jinx. Cody Jinx is going to be. It's Jinx. Jinx. Well, we love Jinx too, man. I'll tell you a real quick story before we do this other song. so the most full circle thing I've ever happened ha- had happened to me in my life involved Leonard Skinner. And I'll try to make it short. <laughs> you don't you don't have to. But so we, we were on radio tour, and I explained earlier what that is, but we were on radio tour. We were in Greenville, South Carolina. And we were on tour with Skinner. Because our first record had a real southern rock thing to it, and some a lot of my stuff still does. But uh, but Skinner invited us out to do five shows, or maybe it was six shows with them, and we were flying on October twentieth from Greenville, South Carolina, to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to open for Skinner. Here's the crazy thing: October twentieth is when their plane went down. They flew from Greenville, South Carolina to Baton Rouge, Louisiana on October 20th, 1977. Okay. I'm making the same route as them on an airplane on the same day as them exactly 40 years later 
to go open for Skinner. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Isn't that crazy? I was sitting there the did whole you time. Know, like, did you know? Oh, so you knew it at the time. No, I totally knew it. I mean, I know everything about Skinner. I knew what today was. I knew that it was their 40th anniversary since their crash. Uh, I knew that where they flew out of and into, and uh, they uh, we flew over that same Mississippi swamp that they went down in uh, October 20th, 77. But another crazy thing is I had a guy that owns that, that swamp in Mississippi right before this send me a piece of carpet and a piece of metal from the plane that he cultivated uh, or uh, whatever the term is, out of the ground. So I had that in my backpack. On top of that, I was going to show Gary Rosington when I got there, but then when I got there, I was like, nah, I'm not going to show that to Gary. That's just not okay. But I, so I didn't show it, but here's the other thing too. The first show I had with Skinner, I was on radio tour. This is rewind from the last story. I just told you before that I had a, sh I had a, a radio show in Jacksonville, Florida. So I'm, I'm doing this radio show in Jacksonville, Florida. And then we're flying out the next day to, uh, south dakota or something to open for skinner and i have to fly at like 6 a.m well my brother lived in jacksonville uh doing welding going to welding school and we decide to pull a long late nighter so we go out and we're on the town and all this stuff well, we end up getting robbed and this guy takes our our wallets and my id's in there so i can't fly to open for skinner and I missed the show and all this stuff. So I, I, I finally show up in the next show we did. I told Skinner, all the, all the Skinner folks, I said, Hey, I'm sorry. I didn't show up to the first show. I got robbed in your hometown. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, man, that don't surprise us. Jacksonville can be pretty rough these days. <laughs> but anyway, love Skinner. Great if, folks. If, uh, if you, got to sing on a tribute album or a tribute show and you had your choice, which do you cover? Cause there's a lot of them. Uh, if I had a chance to, to, uh, can you say that again? If you get the chance <clears throat> to be part of a Leonard Skinner tribute show or album where you guys are all, you know, doing their cuts, which one would you choose to do if you had your choice? I'll give you an answer to to that. Um, I will say it would the ideal thing I would love to be a part of is a, a back at the Fox Theater in Atlanta, Georgia. <clears throat> Original Leonard Skinner did a uh, an album called One More from the Road, and it was a live album, and they just rocked it that night. And I would love to recreate that because Ronnie was. I mean, he was a, a character, just one of a kind. No one's been like Ronnie Van Zant since. And I mean, barefoot on stage with the big hat and the big concho belt, walking around barefoot, singing his ass off. And he's up there just like, kind of like the character from uh, uh, Dazed and Confused, like up there, hey, pretty mama. You know, I was sitting there thinking like the whole time, like, Man, the, the the cool thing about the high school girls, I stay, they, you know, I'm, I get older and they stay the same age. Like that kind of character, he's up there like, hey, pretty mama down. I see you waving that flag and just has this real cool swag about him. Like this, this Georgia 
uh, Florida, Mississippi Southern, just swag about Ronnie. I'm like, man, I want to be like that guy. <laughs> but uh, but he said, uh, he said right before they went into Tuesday's Gone, he said, man, it's hotter than a fox in a forest fire in here. Just so casual on stage. You have to go listen to that album. It just I'm going to you tonight. Awesome story. 1977, live from Fox uh, Amphitheater. It'd be um, cool. It'd be cool to watch them together with you in a couple weeks. Hopefully, you make it down there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I'm gonna do hot beer. Is that all right? Y'all, dude. I, this song. Let me let me talk about this for a second. I. I was privy to this song again through our mutual friend Ben, who is a just a great human being. Um, I might have got some inside information on it, be a little secret, you know, before it came out officially, kind of like you oh, did okay. with the Alan Jackson yeah. deal. But yeah. man, this song has got that, like that. It could be like a, a really, really cool summertime anthem that people are going to hold on. Like last year, my summertime anthem is Why We Drink that DLM wrote with Justin oh, yeah. Moore. And oh, Justin yeah. killed that song, right? That yeah. song, that's my mom's 67 years old. She's like, play it again. Play it again. You know, like, <laughs> that's why we drink. Great oh, yeah. tune, right? Like DLM's oh, genius. Yeah. We didn't even get into any David Lee Murphy, which no, he's we amazing. Didn't. We need to yeah. on our next one. We'll do this Let's again. But this, this song is one that I cannot wait for it to be 87 degrees and listening to this shit because it's like how else can i tell her that i'm probably not going to go back into this deal you know yeah. and this is a great way I, I love it i can't wait for the album to come out this fall we don't have a name for it yet i'm going to send you some ideas that i've been okay. brainstorming on love i, I want to write the song with you okay. about love her crazy away love it. or love the crazy way I'm i in, can't buddy um, congratulations on being a badass and keeping it real. And if we ever get a chance to, to uh, have a cold beer, which I know we're going to, I'll bring oh, you some Jack Daniels. I know you're going to drink a Jack Daniels with me someday, but I just wanted to make sure that our audience understood, like they, they know that we bring musicians on here that we believe in, that we support, not that we're anybody, but it's that this is what I want on my speakers when I'm traveling across America, chasing my dreams. And that, and that's what music does to me. It becomes an integral part of who we are. And that's why it's so important to understand what songwriting is and the lyric is and keeping the lyric out front and the dedication and the commitment and the passion that goes into a project like hot beer that makes people go, I want him to be in my truck. I want him to be riding yeah. with me. And that's what I love about this EP, this LP, the EP, the EP's coming out, the extended play will come out this fall of 2021. Dylan Carmichael. Do you have any closing words before we go in to this badass song we call hot beer? Yeah. Uh, well, first off, Chad, hey, man, thanks for having me. Um, you know, I'm glad we finally got this worked out. And uh, it's really been a, a pleasure talking to you for everybody uh, listening. Uh, if, if if you already know who I am and have supported my music, I, I just want to say thank you. I can't I can't say thank you enough for letting me live my dream. And all the all the new people who are just hearing about me. Turn and run before. No, <laughs> no. Uh, I hope we've, uh, you know, I hope I've made some sort of impression on you and uh, go check out my music and, and uh, follow, follow the Instagram. I love telling stories and stuff. And uh, I'd love for y'all to, to, to follow me and, and just kind of stay, you know, be, be along for the journey. But uh, here's a, this is a song that uh, was written by uh, Hardy. Um, y'all might be familiar with Hardy. A uh, friend of mine, one of the first people, kind of like Party, uh, one of the first people I met when I came to Nashville. Hardy back then had uh, hair, long hair, long, straight 
hair. And I don't know if he talks about this, and I surely hope that I'm not overstepping by saying this, but Hardy looks great. He he has lost a ton of weight from when I first met him. Um, and uh, uh, and just such a talented guy. And he just looked different back then. And, uh, and he's just like came into this unbelievable songwriter and brand and artist. And, uh, and I have just obviously just the greatest things to say about that dude. And we wrote recently, uh, and then there's some uh, other amazing songwriters on there. I'm, we don't have a whole lot of time or, or maybe we'll talk about them on the next podcast, but, uh, here's hot beer. Thank y'all for, uh, for, uh, hanging out. Cause the other night you went crazy Said you're just here to collect your stuff Now you're crying and you're talking about making up Like you wanna come back Let me think about that now, baby Well, I'd rather drink a hot beer Build a fire in the pouring rain Burn all of my fishing gear then Set sail in a Sounds kind of overboard, but you cheated and you lied. You wrecked my Ford, so you might as well stay there on the porch now, honey. If you want to know the odds of another try, they're about the same as a tractor flying with you laughing, girl. Take a long sip Hell, I even take a bit